You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you after a Chicago Bears victory. Listen to that bear down playing in the background. That is music to the ears after a Chicago Bears victory. One that brings their record back to six and six. Just enough to tease us Bears fans here for the month of December. We've got a big podcast coming up today. We will be joined by the Athletics' Kevin Fishbane. we got plenty to talk about with him. But before we get to Kevin here, we got plenty to talk about, and we need to start with Mitch Trubisky. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows how critical I've been of this guy. And look... I was a big supporter of Trubisky last year. I liked seeing the growth throughout the season. I thought there were a lot of positives. I came into this year expecting a big jump from Mitch, and he fell flat on his face at the beginning of the year. That Packers game was rough. The Broncos game, yes, he pulled it out of his you-know-where at the end of the game, but it was a rough game there. So there was just a lot of negatives about Trubisky early. The Saints game was a debacle, and it just did not seem like Mitch was growing at all. Now... I'm not getting overly excited about Trubisky's performance, but I am going to, you know, look look at the positives here because the last, you know, three weeks, basically, the, the, the last few games here that Trubisky has looked better has been against Detroit and the Giants. And the bottom line there is those pass defenses are terrible. The Giants might have the worst pass defense in all the NFL. The Lions certainly aren't much better. So Trubisky, we, we saw a little bit in that first Detroit game where he had that nice stretch with the three touchdown passes, but the rest of the game wasn't very exciting. The Giants game, he looked better, but if you compare it to the rest of the NFL, he really didn't perform that well in, in comparison to how other quarterbacks have performed against the Giants. Then we get to this Lions game on, on Thanksgiving, and, he, and here's what I will say. That performance, to me, is the best Mitch Trubisky has ever looked in a game in his entire career from start to finish. The best. And yes, I understand the, the, the Lions game from last year, the Bucks game with the six touchdown passes, even, even the, the Eagles game in, in the playoffs where he threw for over 300 yards. I get there's other performances, and maybe, especially with like the, the Bucks game, the stats are gaudier. But what I'll say this... That was from a passing and, and, and a grasp of the offense. That was the best Trubisky has ever looked. Look, he made some mistakes, 
And, and here's the bottom line with Trubisky. I think every Bears fan, whether you're a Trubisky supporter or not, the idea that he may become an elite quarterback, you know, that top five, six quarterback in the NFL, I think everyone agrees that ship has sailed. Now, I think most fans believe the Mitch Trubisky is going to be a quality starter in the NFL ship has sailed, and I'm pretty much on that boat already. But I think there are Trubisky supporters, especially in, in Chicago, that still see him as the, having the potential to become a good quarterback in the NFL. So that being said, a good quarterback in the NFL is going to make mistakes. Heck, every quarterback is going to make mistakes in a game, but a good quarterback is still going to leave some yards on the field every game. So you can't expect perfection out of Trubisky. And he did have some, you know, he had a couple bad throws. The, the run where he was basically had the first down and took a left turn and went out of bounds. I don't know exactly what he was thinking there. So it wasn't perfect. But I'm not going to dwell on those negatives because Trubisky threw some really nice balls. And not only did he throw some nice balls, he also had a firm grasp of the offense. He was making the right decisions. He was knowing, he knew where to go with the football. These are the things that the Trubisky critics have been hammering him about. Not so much about, about missing a Taylor Gabriel here or there or missing an Allen Robinson here or there. Yeah, th those come up. But what really has been, has been getting Trubisky hammered is the way he's reading a defense, the way he's going through his progressions, the way he may be changing line calls at the line of scrimmage. That's where we've seen the most criticism from Trubisky and well-earned criticism for Mitch Trubisky. But that was not the case against this Lions team. So what we saw is a huge step forward for Mitch Trubisky. But Mitch Trubisky, when he has these big steps forward, does not continue to take steps forward. And that's what we need to see from Trubisky in the month of December if we're going to legitimately look at this team and say they have a shot at the playoffs and, more importantly, look at Mitch Trubisky as a guy who may be a quality quarterback for this team in 2020. So, where does that leave the Bears? Let's take a quick look at the playoff picture here. Because, look, the Vikings lost on Monday Night Football to the Seahawks. Kirk Cousins, primetime Kirk Cousins, now 0-8 on Monday Night Football. And that was a huge help for the Chicago Bears. Had the Seahawks lost that game to Minnesota, that really would have put the Bears behind the eight ball. But I will say this. I will make a prediction. If the Chicago Bears win out, they will make the playoffs. I know they need some help. But I think they are going to get that help if they win out. If they win out and go 10-6, and six, that means they will saddle the Vikings with their fifth loss. Minnesota has Detroit, the Chargers, and the Packers left. Packers game is at home. So look, the, the Vikings can definitely win that one. The Vikings, I believe, will stumble in one of those three games. I don't think it's going to be this upcoming week against Detroit. They'll hammer Detroit. But the Chargers play a lot of close games. The Packers, the Vikings will stumble, I believe, in one of those two games and get another loss. So if the Bears win out, and look, I get the odds of the Bears winning out is about 1 in 100. They got the, the Packers. They got the Chiefs. I, the Vikings to finish the year, and of course they got the Cowboys coming up here on Thursday. So I get how difficult it's going to be for the Bears to actually do it. But if they go to 10 and 6, I believe they'll get the help they need to make the playoffs. Now I do not think they'll get enough help to have it at 9 and 7. 
I think nine and seven, that puts them in too much of a mix with the Rams. That still means the Vikings really have to collapse. There's too much that has to go right for them to make the playoffs at nine and seven. But 10 and six, I think the Rams will lose enough games where the Bears don't have to worry about the tiebreaker there. The Rams have some tough games coming up. I think the Vikings will stumble one more time, which means the Bears can eliminate them in, in the week 17. It's enough. There's enough there. But if the Bears are going to win out, they need Mitch Trubisky to be that guy from Thanksgiving. And it will not be easy because the Mitch Trubisky on Thanksgiving got to beat up the Detroit Lions defense, which is what Mitch does. Mitch is great at pummeling bad defenses. He had a good game against the Redskins. We've seen it against Detroit. Was pretty good against the Giants. The Bucks last year. The Lions last year. The Eagles secondary was, was compromised in the playoffs. He had a great second half there. Mitch Trubisky is usually pretty good at beating up bad defenses, but Mitch Trubisky struggles against good defense. They don't have to be great defenses, just good defenses for the most part. So that means coming up here with the, with the Packers and the Vikings and some of these games, he is going to have to really perform. And if he does, and the, he pushes the Bears to the playoffs, there's going to be a lot more confidence heading into Mitch Trubisky in 2020, because I think what's happening here, because Trubisky has turned the corner and has played better, and obviously the Lions game highlights that the most. The Bears are not going to cut ties with Mitch next season. I'm pretty confident about that. I don't think they're going to put all their eggs in the Trubisky basket unless Mitch looks like Aaron Rodgers here in the last five games, throws for 350 yards and three or four touchdowns every game. That may make, you know, that, that'll make you whistle a different tune. But assuming Trubisky has some struggles and isn't perfect, and, and that's what we obviously expect because look, look at the history. If that happens, but Mitch does not regress to where he was in some of those early games, I think the Bears will pick up the fifth-year option on Trubisky. Again, that can be, as long as he's not injured, that can be rescinded after the fourth year. So it doesn't mean that they are going all in on Trubisky. I think to, they'll be safe. They'll pick up the fifth-year option. I think they will bring in a veteran quarterback, the Marcus Mariota types of the world. And I think they will probably draft a quarterback in like the sixth, seventh round. They will take a late round flyer and see if they can get lucky with another Gardner Minshew like Jacksonville did this year. That's what I expect them to do. But there's still a lot of football to be played here. And it comes down to this Dallas Cowboys game. It's going to come down to, obviously, it's a week-to-week -week thing. Every game is a huge game for the Bears. But the Vikings did their part losing on Monday Night Football. The Bears, if they want to breathe some life into this fan base, they need to go out there on Thursday, home game, national television, beat the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are reeling. They are not playing well right now. They, you know, Jason Garrett is not a popular man in his own locker room. They've got plenty of problems right now in Dallas, and they are ripe to lose another one. They got pummeled by Buffalo on Thanksgiving. So that is a team going in the wrong direction. Now, some teams have gotten healthy against the Bears this year when they've been struggling. The Bears can't be that team again this year because if the Bears can beat Dallas, come to 7-6, and six, Akeem Hicks comes back, at least there's going to be some hope. Now, when there's hope for the Chicago Bears and the Packers are on the schedule, that's usually when Aaron Rodgers crushes all our souls with some ridiculous throw, ridiculous game, whatever it might be. We've seen it way too many times, but at least 
it'll be there. I would much rather have my soul crushed by Aaron Rodgers than it crushed by Dak Prescott a week earlier. So let's let's have some hope here. There's a lot of positives going on with the Chicago Bears right now. I get it, they're only six and six. I get it, they have plenty of warts. I'm not saying this is a Super Bowl contender. I don't even think this team's gonna make the playoffs. I understand I'm I'm, I'm laying it out there that they, like they could, but I've said all along, I still think this is a long shot, but at least we're in December and the Bears have something to play for, which about a month ago, I don't think anyone expected that. So they've done a nice job turning this around a little bit. Let's see what they can do here moving forward, because once they lose their seventh game, I don't know if the Bears will bail on the season immediately. They should. Right now, you got to keep get all those starters out there, keep playing them, try and make the playoffs. Once they lose that seventh game, I really hope they change gears for the last two, three games of the season, whatever it might be, when they lose that game. Because I want to see Duke Shelley on the field more. I want to see Ridley on the field more. I want to see a lot of these young guys. I want to, you know, Alex Bars. I want to see what these guys can do so the Bears can really take a better assessment as to what they need in 2020. Because they're going to have to tweak this roster. They're going to have to tweak this roster from the draft. They're going to have to tweak this roster via free agency. There's going to be some interesting things that Ryan Pace is going to have to do. Obviously, quarterbacks at the top of the list tight end is a close second but there's plenty of things to talk about down the line with that right now the chicago bears are still in the playoffs so let's focus on that and let's see if the bears can keep this ride going a little bit longer so let's let's take a quick break when we get back we will continue this episode of bears banter bill zimmerman here we'll be right back stick around vacations can be tricky You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome back to Bears Banter. Bill Zimmerman with you, and let's get to our guest. He is the Athletics' Kevin Fishbane. You can follow him at KFishbane on Twitter. Always got plenty of nuggets, interesting stuff, always pushing out his articles. And he's nice enough to join us now. Kevin, Bill Zimmerman, how are you? I'm good, Bill. Thank you for having me. Uh, I really appreciate you jumping on, and I want to start... Pretty much every interview I do on this podcast seems to start in the same place, and that is Mitch Trubisky this season. And and most of the time it's negative. But coming off the Thanksgiving game with the Mitch Trubisky we saw, and, and I tweeted this out in my opinion, obviously the stats were great. But the one thing I really liked with Trubisky that I really haven't seen all year, including the games he played better in, was I felt this 
particular game was his best in terms of just having full command. Sure, he made a couple mistakes, but really seemed to know where he should put the football, where he should, you know, what receiver he should be going to at what time. I really thought he had a really good command of the offense. Yeah, Bill, I, I would agree with that. Um, I thought he, you know, they, a lot of time you hear Matt Nagy talk about throwing conviction, and, and we saw that the timing was really good. There was a third down throw to Al Robinson where Robinson kind of turned around and the ball was right there. It almost took his head off, but he was ready for it. And I think that was a perfect example of, of Mitch trusting his receivers, trusting the routes, um, and trusting himself to make some of those throws. Uh, and, of course, the, the, the two deep balls to Anthony Miller – um, that, that set up the game-winning touchdown were, were, were a big part of that. So I would agree with you. I, I think that you know it, it's been it's been so hard to evaluate Mitch Trubisky this season because of all that's gone wrong around him. Uh, but that was a game that I don't care who the defense is. This is a guy who just has not done what he did in the fourth, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter, those back-to-back touchdown drives. He hasn't really done that as a pro, um, and, and I think that's noteworthy that he was able to put it together. All right. And, and and you said, you know, you don't care who the defense is. And yes, the Lions defense is poor. He had some better stats the week before against the Giants, who might have the worst pass defense in the NFL. Where we haven't seen Mitch, we've seen him do some decent, you know, efficiency games against some good defenses. But we've never really seen him have a really top-notch game, which, you know, maybe not the best defenses coming up here, but he's got definitely some better opponents. Are you hopeful, as someone who watches this Bears team day in and day out, that Trubisky may have turned a corner here for the final month of the season? Um, it's possible. It's it's hard. It's hard to go all the way there because, as you said, we haven't really seen him do it consistently week after week against good teams. You know, I think last December after the Rams game, so um, Viking or, or what was the order Packers, 49ers, Vikings was probably his best stretch as a pro. Um, but it, as you alluded to, it was more just kind of efficient game manager stuff. Not a lot of big time plays except for the touchdown Trey Burton to beat the Packers. So, you know, I, I think that we're, we're seeing, we've seen signs in the past three or four games that he is improving, that he's playing better. Um, is he playing at a level that should make anybody feel confident? He's that, that we can take a, you know, or the bears can take a breath of fresh air and sigh of relief that he's the guy. No, no, we haven't seen that. Um, but, but I think there's been enough to say, okay, there's something for him to build on. And, and do it against the Cowboys. And, and you know, the, the Cowboys, I'm sure you know this, that, that I was looking at this today, their defensive rankings are kind of odd because yardage-wise, a lot of their numbers are pretty good, but by DVOA for football outsiders, they're actually 20th. Um, and, and those are some of the defenses that Mitch does well against. Um, the, the issue is going to be that defensive line for Dallas and, you know, how much um, impact they are able to have on the game. Um, but, but, yeah, my long-winded answer to the question is that uh, he can do it. I've always thought he can do it. Um, I just, you know, I'm not ready to say that, that it's going to necessarily happen because it just hasn't really happened consistently in his career. No, it, it definitely hasn't. We, we keep seeing the flashes, you know, right now, until we see anything consistently, this Detroit game, you know, I, I think gets lumped into the, the Tampa game last year, the Detroit game last year, you know, some of those, those big performances had, but we just don't see it day in and day out. Which, of course, brings me to my last Trubisky question before we get into some other stuff. Is going into this next season, I, I think Trubisky's going to be on the roster. I don't think Pace and Nagy are going to completely cut the cord. But if you were running things and said, all right, we're going to bring in some veter- a veteran 
some veteran competition for Trubisky. Who would be the type of reasonable quarterback that you think the Bears might be able to bring in next season? Mm, well, you know, I think the Bears need to find their Ryan Tannehill. Uh, and and the level of Tannehill you're going to get can depend on what Mitch Trubisky does in these final four games. Um, you know, I don't think anybody expected Tannehill to do what he's doing in, in Tennessee uh, this year. And it's been obviously a revelation, but that's the type of guy, right? It's somebody who, you know, might maybe has a nice draft ped- pedigree, had a good college career, and somebody just it didn't pan out for him, and you're giving him a change of scenery. And that way, if Mitch struggles next year you can make that change you know you can't do that when you have chase daniel who i, I mean i think is a fine backup for this team but you just you, you can't really move on when when he's the, when chase daniel's the type of guy you're going to so when you look at those players i mean marcus mario is a guy it's an easy answer because of the mark helpers connection and that's of course assuming that you know the offensive staff is still intact next year um, of a guy that a great draft pedigree and it just didn't work out for Tennessee, different offense coordinators, different head coaches. Maybe there's something there the Bears can unlock. You know, I think Teddy Bridgewater might be a little expensive, um, but but I think he is certainly uh, showing a lot of talent. And again, first round guy. Um, Andy Dalton is somebody that you, you wonder if he's got the perfect um, kind of, I, I hate, again, go back to that game manager, but the ability to kind of run an offense at a high level without being that guy that needs to make huge plays all over the field. I mean, he's played in playoff games before. So th- those are three guys that kind of come to mind as getting somebody in there that can push Trubisky in training camp and, and be somebody that you are comfortable going to if it doesn't work out. And, and then if it totally fails, that guy can be your bridge quarterback to whoever you draft in 2021. Um, so, you know, th- those are the, the, the guys that I think you target especially especially if things don't go well in these last four weeks, if things go really well, you know, then you can talk about, you know, maybe finding a, a, a guy who is a clear number two somewhere else, but just someone who's a little younger, who has more upside uh, moving forward that, that Chase Dan doesn't really offer you. All right, uh, let's let's get to a few more things, and, and let's start with with the the hope of the fans, and and what I mean by that is, you know, the the Bears' playoff chances have risen to I, I believe four and a half percent here with their with their push, uh, quote unquote, here in the in the last couple weeks. But obviously, I don't think nine and seven is good enough. I think it has to be ten and six, and of course, they'd have to w- beat four. I know the Cowboys are up and down, but four solid football teams. Do you have even a glimmer of hope that the Bears can put this together and make a push for the playoffs? No. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because I've spent so much time looking at some of these scenarios. Just because, you know, it's entertaining. You, you look at the Vikings and Rams and you're like, oh, yeah, you could totally see those teams, you know, losing a few games here and there. Um, and, you know, because all the Bears need is to be one game behind Minnesota heading into week 17, assuming the Rams have lost to the Seahawks and 49ers. And then you go back to what your original point was. Well, to, for that to even matter, the Bears have to take care of business against the Cowboys, which take care of business, they're an underdog, um, and, and then beat the Packers and Chiefs. If you want to go full optimist, the Cowboys are reeling, and they don't play well against good teams, and it's going to be a tough spot on the road. Uh, the Packers' defense is not nearly as good as it was in week one, and the Bears will get a keen picks back, and Matt Nagy has been good in division games. Uh, you get Kansas City here in late December, kind of a perfect opportunity 
to get them um, in that situation. And, and, and maybe your defense does what they did to the Rams last December. So uh, th- those would be the reasons to think about. Because right now I'd look at it as go 3-0 and and, and make Week 17 mean something. Because if Week 17 means something, then, you know, uh, you throw everything out the window for that Vikings game in the finale. Uh, but but th- there there are enough things. But, you, you know, this – if you go back to that Lions game, that sequence in the second quarter with that 15-play drive and a a turnover on downs was just a perfect example that this team still can't get out of its own way. Even in a game when their offense really seemed to be humming, they had that entire sequence. You're like, how does this happen? You know, how does this team need to get an illegal formation coming out of a timeout or coming out of the quarter and not have enough guys in the field. Like all, all those things, like it's still happening. It's our 12th game of the season. This is just not a playoff team. Um, and, you know, I was watching the Vikings last night and I'm like, that is a playoff team. Yeah. I, look, I'm, I'm not the, uh, driving a Kirk Cousins bandwagon for sure. And, and I've been kind of questionable on the Vikings, but you watch the way they play at Seattle. Like that's a playoff team. Like the Bears haven't done that yet. So yeah, there there are little ways you can kind of get hopeful and get excited about what's to come, and you have to beat Dallas to make it interesting. Um, but it's hard to because this team hasn't shown us really anything this year in terms of putting a full game together on both sides of the ball that tells you they can make that kind of run. I, I can't disagree with anything you just said, and that's I think exactly it. Is you know the team shows some flashes, they they're, they're uneven, they go back and forth which is just the the recipe for an 8-8 eight eight football team, which is very much where they may be headed to. Um, let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball here. Let, let me get your, your kind of grand you know, take on the defense this season. Obviously, Hakeem Hicks has been a big loss. But there hasn't been as much pressure on the quarterback, hasn't been the turnovers and the huge plays, but the points per game is, is roughly where it was a, a season ago. So what are, what are the positives and negatives you've seen out of the defense this year, which almost is getting criticized for not being as flashy in terms of the big plays that they had last season? Yeah, you know, Bill, I love the um... – you know, and I hate to kind of single them out, but the, the whole national um, uh, narrative that the Bears defense was going to regress, uh, you think? I mean, it was like one of the best defenses in the history of football last year. Of course, they weren't going to put up those numbers, um, but there were still a lot of areas where they could improve from last year. Um, and I think it's impressive that they've done what they've done considering the injuries and considering how much they're on the field. You know, last year, the Bears were one of the best offenses in terms of time and possession. And that's kind of could be a wonky stat because, you know, obviously last year that did not mean a lot of points or a, a, a high-octane offense. They just, they just moved the sticks well. Um, this year's team does not do that. So the defense is out there a lot. You know, they haven't taken the ball away very much, which, you know, again, keeps them on the field longer. Um, but, but I think if you're looking for positives, um, you know, I, I think the inside linebackers, the way they've played, especially the past month, Roquan Smith and Nick Kuklaski, and before he got hurt, I thought Dave Trevathan was playing better than maybe anybody on the defense. Um, so I think that's been good. I think if you look at Kyle Fuller, um, yeah, he's given up some plays here and there, but he's been really close to some big-time interceptions. I think he's had another solid year. Uh, and I, I'll say this, too. The two guys that the Bears got kind of criticized for signing not in Chicago, outside Chicago, Buster Screen and Ha Ha Clinton-Dex. Find me a giant mistake that the two of them have made. You know, Buster Screen's big mistake was that offside penalty in Denver. But in coverage, he's been fine. He's been sound. You know, he's been, he's been solid. Not great, but just what you kind of need him to be. And Clinton-Dex is not giving up that big play that every Packers, 
you know, fan and writer said was going to happen at some point. He, he's been okay. You know, again, you want him to make more plays in the ball, um, but he's been solid. So I think those are all positive. Of course, you know, the, the flip side of that is, you know, you're not getting the production you were hoping for from Cleo Mack and a lot of reasons for that. You're not getting the production you wanted out of Leonard Floyd. And as you said, you're not getting the takeaways. Um, and that's really been a big part. But, you know, this is still a defense that is one of the, you know, maybe the biggest reason this team still has a relevant game left. Now, now the one thing when, when Chuck Pagano got this job that everyone was talking about was all the pressure he was going to bring, all the blitz packages, everything he was going to try to just, you know, some jailhouse, just go after the quarterback sometimes. And he hasn't, he's done it every once in a while, but not nearly as much as, as people, I think, expected. Do you think that might be that he's gone a little more conservative because of the offensive woes and he doesn't want to give up a big play? Or do you think it's just how Pagano has adjusted to the def- defensive personnel he has this season? Yeah, I think it's a little both. I think he has to be mindful that this is just not an offense that is able to make up for giant deficits. Um, he's got to be careful about that. Um, and I think, too, is he's kind of seen, you know, maybe his view of a secondary is, is he doesn't trust those guys as much um, to be able to cover players, and, you know, one-on-one and not have the help, which happens when you're blitzing. And then, you know, I, it is interesting because it's something that was talked about so much, and you're right, we haven't really seen it um, very much. I come back to something that we keep hearing a lot from them is this whole idea of a bend but don't break defense. And, and you don't, when you talk about the Bears defense, you don't necessarily think bend but don't break. You think don't break, but you don't necessarily think bend. And this defense is bent a lot. And maybe those are just some of the things that where some players just haven't been as good as they were last year, and he's recognized that, and that's why – he hasn't been as aggressive, but you know, I, I, I was kind of intrigued last week that they, they weren't dying up as much pressures. But you know, the one thing about Detroit is Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are fantastic receivers, and I think he was mindful of that. And that's going to be an interesting thing to watch against Dallas because you know how are they going to cover Amari Cooper, who has been outstanding this year, and you know, they don't move Kyle Fuller around. Um, he stays on one side of the field. So you're gonna to have to rely on a bunch of guys. You're probably gonna need safety help. You might not need. You might not want to blitz as much. And it's a great Cowboys offensive line too. So it's gonna be something to kind of continue to monitor. But you're right. That that has kind of been something we expected in the offseason. Just didn't really see as much as we thought we would. And and last thing I want I want to kind of get your opinion on is is Matt Nagy and not so much the 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 play caller Matt Nagy which has obviously been been very very much scrutinized and, and looked at carefully for a multitude of reasons and there's been the chicken rag argument is it more Nagy is it more Trubisky so but putting all that aside the the Matt Nagy the head coach how much trust do you think the Bears organization should have in him? I think Ryan Pace trusts him a lot, but you know, what last season when everything was going so well and and, and Nagy just kind of rode with it and it and it all just fell into place. But this year with with you know the the team being up and down, you know, we've we've seen some warts from Nagy and it's just it's it's about the team being more undisciplined, the the penalties, penalties in bad spots, you know, too many men on the field, not enough men on the field. Riley Ridley comes running in against Detroit at the last second on, on a play. I mean, there's been a lot of things that really seem to, you know, the ship isn't as smooth as it used to be, and I, and obviously that's got to come down on Matt Nagy. Where are you with Nagy, the head coach? Yeah, it's it's a fantastic topic of discussion, um, and and what I kind of like about Matt Nagy is I think he kind of welcomes it a little bit. Um, and, and there certainly have been some play calling issues. And I will say this, Bill: 
if this team misses the playoffs by one game and you think about what, what, what happened at the end of that Chargers game, um, you know, that's going to really uh, increase the scrutiny on Matt Nagy. I mean, if you miss by one game, there's a lot of different things you can look to. But that is one that I think that was a loss in the head coach. Um, where he could have coached them to win there and just wasn't able to. Um, you know, the thing that's kind of going for Matt Nagy, aside from the fact that he was a coach of the year last year, and uh, are two things. I think obviously this team hasn't quit on him. Uh, the players respect him. He still finds a way to connect with them um, and get them going. I think you look at last week's game, I mean, there's no debate between the Matt Patricia versus Matt Nagy and who you kind of would rather be your team's head coach. But he's going to be able to, you know, paint a picture for Ryan Pace or for whoever he needs to talk to and say, look, the offensive line wasn't good. There was no running game. Our, all of our tight ends got hurt, and the quarterback wasn't good. And I get some of that's on me. You know, Matt Nagy's in charge of developing Mr. Bisky. He's in charge of having the right plays to unlock, you know, take advantage of their strengths. But he didn't get a whole lot of help. And so there's a lot of different ways to look at that. But I imagine knowing the Bears – and how much they just want stability. They just want to be able to have the same guys. You know, if it was up to George McCaskey, I bet you he would have Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy at lifelong contracts, right? Like that's, and that's not just McCaskey. That's, that's most any NFL owner would love to be able to just have the same GM and head coach for as long as possible. Everybody wants what the Patriots have. Everyone wants what the Steelers have had. Um, so I think he has that going for him. This is an organization that's going to probably err on the side of trusting the head coach in this situation and saying, look, you explained all these issues that went wrong in your second year. We get it. You now have to fix it for your third year. And the same thing goes for Ryan Pace. Like, hey, you were executive of the year, and then all these things didn't work out this year. you got to figure it out. So 2020 then becomes kind of the ultimate you know, um, litmus test year for both the head coach and GM. Uh, but, but I do think that there are enough things to like about what Matt Nagy has done um, that you can kind of not cut him some slack per se, but be comfortable with the fact that he's going to be the head coach next year and, and maybe giving him that opportunity and, and to see what he can do um, at, after having a season like this. All right, and then I'll just kind of follow up on that with a, you can give me a 10-second answer. If the Bears have average quarterback play next year, whether it's Trubisky or a different quarterback, is this team closer to the 2018 version or the 2019 version? <sighs> average quarterback play, I, I would say probably closer to, man, it's tough because this is going to end up taking me a lot more than 10 seconds because, <laughs> there have been so many things that have gone wrong, right? All these penalties, all the offensive line stuff. But I'll say this, Bill, an average quarterback, slightly above average quarterback, gets the best out of his players. And if you're not making a lot of mistakes at quarterback, it makes everyone around you better, makes a lot of things easier. So I think if an average quarterback, slightly better than what we've seen this year, around what we saw last year, then, yeah, it would be closer to the 2018 team. All right, there's some positivity. Six and six, a bumpy year, but I like to finish into the interview with some positivity. Kevin, at, at K Fishbane on Twitter, read him at The Athletic. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me, Bill. All right, there he is, Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic. Plenty of good stuff there from Kevin. And look, there's there, there's a lot you could dissect there. And the bottom line is, if you if you listen to Kevin and kind of go through all, all his words and, and what he had to say in his answers, 
the positives are still outweighing the negatives. Maybe not for this season. You know, he doesn't really have any hopes for this team to make the playoffs. And I get it. Look, I've laid it out on Twitter. I've talked about it on the podcast. The playoffs are not dead, but you're literally talking about beating the Cowboys, which is possible, but the Packers and the Chiefs and the Vikings. And this team just has not shown any ability to be able to beat that quality football team's once or twice, let alone four times. So that, that that's going to be difficult. But again, if you can just button up a few things, and it seems like a lot, right? It seems like the Bears have a lot of problems between the penalties and the tight end position and the quarterback position and da-da-da-da-da. goes on and on. But if you really, really just button it up, and you make sure the team plays a little more disciplined, and you get a little bit better of a running scheme. It doesn't need to be an amazing running scheme. Running scheme. This Bears team does not need to be the Walter Payton, Matt Suey Bears and just running the football down your throat. That's, that's not what this team needs. They just need to have a respectable running game. If all that starts coming together, and like Kevin said, if you get better quarterback play, it'll lift up the other players around you. What do you want to blame completely Trubisky or some on Nagy? It doesn't matter. If the quarterback play is elevated, the players around him will be elevated. And, and I think that's where the Bears need to get to in 2020. There's they, they can button up a few things and really start turning this thing around. This team still has way too much talent to be toiling at 500 or below 500. But there's no point to sit there and dwell on 2020 when we've still got a month to go in 2019. The playoffs, there's still a minute chance that they can get there, but they can't get there without beating the Cowboys. And I actually do think they're going to beat the Cowboys. I think they got a lot of momentum. I think they're feeling good right now. They know they got Akeem Hicks coming back the week after. I think the Bears are going to win this game. And I think, you know, Minnesota's got Detroit. They're going to they're gonna win that game as well. So I think they're going to win this game enough where with three games to go, they know they just got to make up one game in the next two against Minnesota. I think Minnesota's going to drop either to the Chargers or the Packers. I think that's going to excite the Bears. Now, again, I don't think the Bears are going to be able to win out. But I do think that's going to excite the Bears, excite the fan base. And as bad as this season has been, if the Bears are still fighting for a playoff spot in mid-December, which is what they would be if they get to week 15 not eliminated, there's really not much more you could ask for at this point based on how bad this season is. And last thing for the podcast this week is, this week is the anniversary, 34 years of the Super Bowl shuffle. And I get that this city, a lot, especially the younger fans, are sick of hearing about the 85 Bears. And I get it. It's time for a new 85 Bears. They need a new champion football team. This, this Bears squad needs to do something in the next couple of years so we can put the 85 Bears to bed and just leave them in the history books. But the one thing I want to say is, this being the 34-year anniversary of the Super Bowl Shuffle, which I was a kid then, I must have listened to that song 150 times in a row and repeat. But that aside, what you should do is go find the video on YouTube, and it's easy to find, and watch the video. And forget paying attention to the stars. Forget watching Peyton and McMahon and Galt and Singletary and all those guys. Watch the background. Do yourself a favor and watch Maury Buford on the cowbell. And watch Mike Tomzak fake jamming on a guitar. You, you can't have better entertainment and better laughs than watching the Bears pantomime jam 
to to the Super Bowl shuffle. It, it, it's just it's just gonna make you laugh. And when the bear season has been this bad, you need something to laugh about. So go find the video. Just watch Gary Fensig and Steve Fuller try and have any kind of rhythm. There's just too much gold in that video where you can just sit back and laugh. So go go watch the Super Bowl shuffle. Have some fun this week. 34 years ago this week. They recorded and released the Super Bowl shuffle. So that's going to do it for Bears Banter. Let's get a victory against the Dallas Cowboys. Let's get to 7-6. and six. God, when was the last time the Bears had a winning record? It seems like last season at this point, but it hasn't been that long. Let's get to 7-6, and six, and let's have three games to go with the playoff hopes still alive. We'll talk to you next week. Bear down, everybody. Adios. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.